0: Charlie Wright.
1: Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. That is certainly the case today. It's October 14, 2016. I'm Charlie Wright. We're very pleased you've joined us and we'd like to welcome for the very first time here Peter Lupoff, founder and CIO and chief investment officer of Tiburon Capital Management. Peter speaks to us from their headquarters in New York City. Peter, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio.
2: Hi, Charlie. Thanks for having me.
1: So, Peter, uh, Tiburon Capital Management is an event-driven strategy that you are sub-advisors for for Balter Family of Mutual Funds. So let's begin with uh, you You spent many years in the hedge fund world. Give us a brief description of your background. I know you worked with some legends in the industry, Marty Whitman, Izzy Englander, and others. So don't spend too long at it, but give us a little of your background in the hedge fund industry.
2: Yeah, surely. i had the good fortune of starting my career with Marty Whitman at Third Avenue Fund. And uh, from Marty, I learned deep value. He's probably the ranking living proponent, uh, an academic at heart. His uh, workplace is really the laboratory where textbook theory gets played out. Eight years with Marty, I learned deep value. And in that time, we watched uh, the first failure of the junk bond market, so the opportunities in value were in bonds, and by the time I'd left Marty, uh, the opportunity was mostly in equities. So I also saw the entire capital structure from bank debt to bonds to equities as the uh, fulcrum security or the place where the greatest value resided. Uh, and then the back end of the career before, Uh, forming Tiburon, where we run the Balter Event-Driven Fund, as you point out, I spent a few years running an event-driven strategy for uh, Izzy Englander's Millennium uh, Management, the large multi-strategy here in New York. And for them, I ran uh, a large event-driven allocation that did exactly as I do now. And from Izzy, who is really no nonsense? Uh, I learned, uh, the, the logic of trading to defend NAV, of removing biases, of thinking about our line items in our portfolio as Mr. or Ms. Uh, right now, not Mr. or Ms. Right. We don't fall in love with positions. They're not anthropomorphic. They're, they're just, uh, PL line items. And then uh, I formed Tiburon in late 2009 and uh, decided after some 20 years in the business that it was time to build my own business, applying my own methodologies that I would learned, having uh, the luxury of working with both Marty and Izzy. And uh, through our Tiburon asset manager, we are um, running the Bolter Event Driven Fund.
1: Okay, so tell us event driven here. Uh, Peter, uh, that, that, that there are a lot of our listeners that are not going to be real familiar with event-driven, and I know that it is not merger arbitrage, so what is an event-driven strategy?
2: Well, that's a very good point. So event-driven means, uh, let's just take uh, the back, my background again for a moment. If I learn deep value from Marty Whitman trying to buy securities that were cheap on an intrinsic basis, I also want a catalyst that can unlock value, and that is really the difference. The catalyst that can unlock value is that hard event that can move a security in a step function change to fair price. Uh, so event-driven for us means that events can drive securities to a fair price from either cheap if we're, we're long the security or from a rich price if we're short the security. Events can be... A multitude of things. They, they, while merger ARB is often described as event driven, it is narrow. It is a singular strategy. It is a solitary event where one company buys another. Uh, we do pre-merger, so we also do, we'll, we'll buy companies where the sum of the parts of the various entities is, is is worth much greater than the whole, and that company may either be sold or spin off assets or IPO assets. So there can be asset sales, divestitures, uh, lawsuits that could be won or lost, or liquidations, uh, product launches or failures, uh, scandal, fraud uh, can be uh, interesting places to invest. Think of companies like Chipotle. Uh, for example, um, Wells Fargo. No, Wells exactly. <laughs> Wells Fargo. Um, so it is uh, you know an array of different things. It is the broadest possible uh, series of hard events. I'll, it's easier to define by what it isn't. It isn't an earnings surprise. We don't buy or sell securities uh, with the view that the event is you know uh, they're going to beat earnings per share by a penny. That's not it. It's a hard catalyst that can move securities in in real step function change.
1: Okay. And these are events that have already occurred. You're not anticipating new events, or are you?
2: No. In fact, if you think about it, the only event strategy that is routinely backward-looking is merger ARB, where there is a deal announced, uh, a buyer and a seller, a combination of companies. And the interesting thing about merger arb, uh, the funny thing about it is that many people describe merger arb as picking up nickels in front of bulldozers, because only things can go really. If it goes right, you make the money you count on. If but things can go very very wrong. So for us, it's it's reading the various probable outcomes and projecting what can occur. So we're oftentimes out ahead of a merger ARB deal. If, if uh, for example, uh, Fortune Brand spun off Beam a few years ago, the uh, bourbon company, and we owned it with the view that it would get acquired, and um, because it was cheap on an intrinsic basis and using our methodology, which I can describe in a moment, we believe we saw uh, reasonable f- uh, financial actors that would find it interesting to own Beam and ultimately Suntory went public, raised a lot of money, and bought Beam. That's that's the kind of way that we are often involved in in buyouts. Uh, that we're there ahead of it, uh, so everything is usually out in front uh, and plausible. Okay, as opposed to announce.
1: So, tell us about your methodology. How do you go about finding these things, and then how do you determine uh, which way you think uh, things are going to bounce?
2: Okay, so we have our methodology, which is, is also well described in our on our webpage, which we can mention later, is an acronym, five prongs. It's called BRACE, and rather than belabor what each of those five things are, promptly I'll say B for bottoms up, that deep value approach, is the company cheap or not? The R is a revaluation catalyst, a hard event, and as mentioned a moment ago, we consider the financially interested parties those are the actors that's the bra of bray c the whole cap structure review and e is the environment that we're in and are there any cues there about uh, whether it's a good time or not it's more important that you have a refined methodology as a team that you can count on that is demonstrable repeatable and scalable so that for every position that you look at every trade that you consider putting in your portfolio, you have a checklist effectively and you, you check off that you've considered all the things that you value in terms of determining whether or not a company is cheap on or, or rich on an intrinsic basis and has that plausible catalyst that can unlock value.
1: Okay, and so you use this this BRACE brace methodology, and again, I've seen it on your website and explains it in in more detail, and that allows you to have this, as you say, checklist to make sure that you're looking at everything that is appropriate. How do you find things in the first place? Because you're looking for things where there is, has been, or more typically, there is going to be an event. How do you anticipate an event?
2: Yeah, it's... um there's a little bit of magic in that there's a a lot of hard work in that and and we talk about it in in three ways there's sort of a thematic or macro approach where we consider the things that we are seeing what is the actually what is the investment world giving us is one of the most critical things it's the static nature of many managers' strategies that get them in trouble, that they are long only or do credit only or do equities only or only are in, in emerging markets. Events occur in companies that are p- plausible longs or shorts and across capital structure, bonds or equities, and in differing markets. So occasionally we'll see... Themes that are bigger—that there is a low tax regime where companies, if they are they buy there and invert into that. If you remember the discussion of inversions a few years ago, um, make it a a lot of sense because a company can reduce its tax burden. Um, Right now, the idea that uh, Brexit looms in Europe means that probably the pound will continue to depreciate against the dollar. And what was interesting about that is companies that report in pounds but generate most of their revenues in U.S. dollars will have heightened returns in this kind of environment. And the converse is true, too, a very strong U.S. dollar for companies that are U.S.-centric in their sales and revenues, whether it's a U.S. company or it's a European company that reports in euros or pounds but sells in U.S. dollars. You you can see how things like that that are drawn from macro world we're in can give you a theme to focus on, so that you can find companies that are generating revenues. Let's say in the yuan, and the yuan is depreciating against the dollar, and and that's a, a, the e part of brace an externality, and you know the, again the top down macro approach to finding themes and then drilling down to specific ideas. There's also what I call mining the portfolio. So within the existing portfolio, there are 40 to 45 names. And of those 40 to 45 names, we've done peer reviews of their competitors. And so oftentimes you'll see thematically what you think you're seeing in one company you see is more plausible in another, or you find a company that's cheaper or richer. Uh, So... When you look at one company, you're looking at competitors, and in so doing, you're looking really at five or six or seven. So mining the portfolio is that the work you do on any one company gives you insight into many more than just that one. And then, you know, finally, there's the basic heavy lifting that we all do that we're reading journals, periodicals, research pieces. We're going to conferences. We're talking to companies, and occasionally we get, we get uh, the, um, you know, we have the epiphany where we connect dots quicker than others.
1: Right. So um, uh, sector or industry-wise, I presume you stay away from big pharma or any kind of pharmaceuticals, right? Because uh, the, the potential of one particular drug and the issues and challenges of approval and disapproval, etc. So you that's stay true. away from those?
2: Yeah, that's true. I think, you know, if we were to talk about what, uh, industries or markets we like or avoid it, it is it's an old Marty Whitmanism he used to say we don't pick the industries they pick us and and to a degree that's true where we see opportunity or we see overvaluation we're drawn to look for longs and shorts but given uh, our druthers things like biotech or single drug companies that are going through phase one phase two phase three that's not what we do. The, the, the binary nature of what can occur there is bothersome. We like to find multiple ways to win. So uh, I think we tend to uh, focus also on larger capital structures, companies they are public companies. The securities are liquid securities. Some of that is a function of our mandate uh, if we run, in fact, a 40-act mutual fund product and we have liquidity um, obligations as a fiduciary that we, we we are beholden to, then we're trying to build a portfolio that not only generates significant returns, but does so given the parameters that we've committed to, which includes a high-level liquidity. So we don't find it that shackling to look at larger public companies. Uh, Neither do we find it that shocking in the look at developed markets versus emerging markets. We're very focused on developed markets because, one, uh, the securities are liquid. Two, uh, the the trading mechanisms are simpler. And and three, the rules of law and the corresponding uh, financial data that, that comes out of those markets is easier to understand with greater transparency. So we tend to be very focused on North American markets as well as the European markets. Not to say, never say never, we have had Asian investments, and we have some in Australia presently. But we're, by and large, North America and European.
1: Okay. Peter, hold that right there. We need to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Again, we're talking with Peter Lupov, founder and chief investment officer of Tiburon Capital out of New York City. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. And we'll be right back.
0: According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. And now back to Charlie and his guest.
1: Thank you, Paul. Fascinating conversation again with Peter Lupoff, founder and chief investment officer of, of Tiburon Capital out of New York City. So. Peter, uh, we've talked about your event-driven di- strategy for Balter Family Mutual Funds. Uh, is this the only kind of strategy that you have, and do you do any money management for individuals through separately managed accounts, or uh, do you do uh, money management for institutions?
2: Surely. We, um, we run the business, Tiburon Capital Management, as an asset manager or registered investment advisor, through that, we run the Balter Event Driven Fund, uh, ticker symbol BEVIX. But we also do manage accounts that will mirror both that mutual fund for some institutions that cannot be in a commingled vehicle, like like uh, like uh, the Balter Fund is. Uh, and we will run managed accounts for uh, both institutions, high net worth, private wealth managers, so long as they meet the minimums that we'll do and stay within our wheelhouse, our wheelhouse being event-driven. So we'll have some clients that might prefer that we stay in equities only or that we highlight our, our highest conviction ideas, but by and large, The strategies are liquid, event-driven, skewing towards equities, and we can do that either through uh, the Balter event-driven fund or managed accounts that on some basis mirror it.
1: Okay. So, Peter, uh, this strategy obviously has little, if any, correlation to uh, any other market, okay, Uh, equities, bonds, uh, anything else. How do you measure yourself? Uh, how do you say we were successful this year? If you got a certain return, is there any benchmark that you use? Uh, what do you do for an event-driven strategy?
2: Surely. So this is one of the interesting things uh, for the individual to consider in a, in a time and place of high fees, uh, purportedly high fees on hedge funds, low uh, returns because of low interest rates, uh, you know, if the 10-year treasury is at 1.7, what is a reasonable rate of return to earn over what you might argue is a risk-free rate? When you take the fees out against it, you can see why so many hedge funds do so poorly. But the flip side of that is if you do just ETFs, they're basically, as they're described, they're passive products, so they reflect market. And as long as market is okay, you're okay. What we offer, actually, is active management in a relatively, for back, lack of a better way to put it, a, a passive manager's wrapper. The low-fee structures uh, that will run, given uh, the strategies that we employ, we think is sort of cutting edge in the direction of taking active hedge fund management and delivering it in, in a much more Uh, comfortable, daily liquid, low-fee structure wrapper. Because we are active managers, however, we don't look at our returns relative to the S&P or... or any markets index because we're delivering not absolute market returns but risk-adjusted returns. That means that we have a portion of the portfolio that's short. We have a portion uh, that is in cash waiting for greater opportunities to buy the things that we care about, and we hedge out unwanted risks. So there's an active management component. Therefore, it's not a reasonable thing to uh, look at returns relative to various hedge fund event-driven indices. Even now, uh, there are liquid uh, alternative indices. And then finally, it, you can think of it at relative to market, but you need to adjust whatever market returns you're looking at for the amounts of cash and the beta we take. We are very low tracking to uh, the beta of, of market And that's kind of one of the things that is, I think, most exciting about event-driven is that in all markets, there should be catalysts that can unlock value. And therefore, in months that are particularly bad market months uh, or bad market years, we can get events right that create step function change in those underlying securities and generate returns that don't look like market. In the meantime, while market uh, trades sideways or down, our hedges may work to deliver very low volatility to the downside. That's what we're, we're trying to accomplish and why uh, event-driven indices, to the extent that anybody wanted to track us against sort of a hedge fund index, that's not an unreasonable thing to do except it will deliver our returns with much lower fees.
1: Okay. So, um, Peter, a question we'd like to ask all of our guests is, what keeps you awake at night?
2: It's a lot less the worry of what can go wrong than the worry that we're not big enough in situations that are attractive or that we've not done sufficient work around uh, an investment to get greater conviction. It's the missing out more than the... uh, than the damage that markets cause. Um, I'm not... Particularly worried about things that many managers would say, like I worry, uh, there'll be those who'll say, I worry that rates will increase, or that rates will sputter sideways forever, or the, the uh, artificiality of central bank intervention over the last couple of years, or the, the fact that uh, the, the uh, European Union is breaking apart. Those, those things are not things that I can control. So there's no reason to worry about those things. Those things, however, are things that we care about, we watch, and then we can dynamically reshape the portfolio to take advantage of that. That in lies, uh, you know, some of the magic in our uh, strategy is that from a mandate perspective, to be agnostic directionally, agnostic among securities, agnostic among events, means that we don't have the moral hazard that many managers have that we need to worry and lose sleep at night about any change in markets that can impact the way we're positioned
1: thank you A second question uh, peter would like to ask all of our guests what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners
2: well i i read a lot and and the book that i've Liked the most for investors, I guess, would be the one I'm using this summer, this summer into this fall with uh, the intern crew that we we have that we work with. And uh, I've handed out as a as a textbook, really, a, b- a book called "The Manual of Ideas," which is by John Mihal- Haljevic. and I find that is one of the more practical, sort of workshop like books that you can read on investing. It's its not esoteric. Uh, it's very tangible. Uh, it talks about how to do uh, differing strategies, real sort of nuts and bolts stuff, The Manual of Ideas by John Mahaljevic.
1: Hey, thank you. We have not had that book uh, recommended before, so we uh, appreciate that very much. So give our listeners your website for those who would like to know more.
2: Sure. So the firm Tibron Capital Management We operate event-driven strategies, and we run the mutual fund, the Balter Event-Driven Fund, B-E-V-I-X. Our manager site, Tiburon Capital Management, is www.tiburonholdings.net. That's holdings, plural, tiburonholdings.net. And on that site, you get better information on our firm, on the Balter Fund, and get access to our monthly letters and our white papers on various investment uh Ideas and interests.
1: Okay, and I've been on that website, and there is a a lot of good educational information on that. Anybody wants to go there, I I can recommend that. So, uh, Peter, give us final words for our listeners here.
2: I think this has been the most unloved rally uh, ever, Uh, and uh, people have talked about uh, worry that we're at a precipice because of valuations that are toppy, and. All I can say is that uh, a lot of that is looking in the rearview mirror to figure out what has happened in the past and, and articulate what's to come from that. It's a very bad way to drive a car. We're looking at the f- windshield of this car, and out the windshield, we have at least visibility out, you know, three, six, nine months. nine months—and. Uh, I think a a better way to think about markets is to find those strategies, find those managers, find those investments that feel like they're dynamic enough to change with time and, and avoid the moral hazard of being directional.
1: Okay. Well, Peter, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate you being here. Thank you. Again, we've been talking with Peter Lupoff, founder and chief investment officer of Tiburon Capital Management out of New York City. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. I'm Charlie Wright wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing.
0: You've been listening to the Strategic Investor. Your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science.